In a previous episode of the podcast, I touched on how difficult it was to pin down the date which the United States actually became independent. In the case of the United States, it was a matter of figuring out when we wanted to define independence. Was it at the start of the rebellion, the act of declaring independence, or was it the end of the war? In the case of Canada, trying to pin a date on independence is a lot more complicated, and it extends over a much longer period of time. Find out when Canada became independent, or if in fact it ever really did, on this episode of Everything Everywhere Daily. This episode is sponsored by ButcherBox. Summer is right around the corner, and that means cookouts. No matter what your preferred food is for a cookout or a barbecue, ButcherBox can help you make it the best. If you want to serve up some hamburgers, ButcherBox has grass-fed ground beef to make the perfect smash burger. Want to cook up some steaks? Well, ButcherBox has that too, with some of the best cuts of steak, such as New York Strip, ribeye, and filet mignon. Do you like grilled chicken? Well, ButcherBox has some of the best pasture-raised chicken that you will find anywhere. And if you really want to wow people at your next cookout, you can try grilling some of their wild-caught salmon on a cedar plank. Sign up at ButcherBox.com daily and get a special deal. ButcherBox is offering my listeners a free-for-a-year offer plus an additional $20 off. You can choose salmon, chicken breasts, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at ButcherBox.com daily and use code daily to choose your free-for-a-year offer plus get $20 off your first order. This episode is sponsored by Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond Bourbon. I recently had the chance to try Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond, and I can attest to its exceptional aromas with hints of caramel and vanilla intertwining with its oakiness, which provide a well-rounded flavor profile. Taking a sip is akin to experiencing a piece of bourbon history firsthand. Heaven Hill Distillery may be America's most quintessential bourbon distillery. Established in 1935 after the end of Prohibition, the distillery was established by the Shapira family and has remained a family-owned distillery to this day. In 1897, Congress passed the Bottled in Bond Act, which set forth strict rules for any bourbon labeled Bottled in Bond. Heaven Hill Bottled in Bond bourbon goes beyond the stringent requirements of the law by aging its bourbon for seven years, not four. The end result is a gold medal-winning bourbon that truly stands out. Available nationally, look for a bottle at your local store. Heaven Hill, bottled in bond. Heaven Hill reminds you, think wisely, drink wisely. This episode is brought to you by the Travel Photography Academy. Have you ever been on a trip and wondered why your photos don't turn out like the images you see in travel magazines? If you're going to spend thousands of dollars on a trip and hundreds to thousands of dollars on a camera, you owe it to yourself to get the highest quality images from your trip. That's why I created the Travel Photography Academy. I set out to travel around the world in 2007 with an expensive camera, and I had no idea how to use it. As I traveled around the world, I taught myself the art of travel photography, eventually mastering it to a point where I was named Travel Photographer of the Year three times in North America. The Travel Photography Academy is an online course that teaches you everything you need to know to master your camera and to take better photos on your next trip. To improve your photography and to get better images on your next trip, visit TravelPhotographyAcademy.com or click in the link in the show notes. The first date we have to establish to set down on the path of Canadian independence is 1840. This was the passage of the Union Act, which combined the former colonies of Upper Canada and Lower Canada. 
Lower Canada was what is today part of southern Quebec, particularly around the St. Lawrence River, and Upper Canada was what is today southern Ontario. The Act merged together two colonies into the province of Canada. While in no way, shape, or form was the province of Canada independent, it was the nucleus for what the rest of the country would coalesce around as it grew. It was the first thing we could point to as a Canada. The impetus behind this came from John Lambton, the first Earl of Durham, who was the High Commissioner for British North America. He was sent to the region to investigate what could be done after several rebellions in the British territories in 1837. His conclusions were presented to the British Parliament in the form of a document entitled Report on the Affairs of British North America. In it, he said that if the people weren't given some sort of national identity to rally around, they would eventually seek independence like the United States or join the United States itself. The next big step in Canadian independence occurred on July 1st, 1867, with the passage of the British North America Act. If you were to ask most Canadians when Canada became independent, the vast majority would say July 1st, 1867. This is mostly true, but not totally true. It was on this date that the British North America Act was passed, which established the Dominion of Canada. This is the day that Canadians celebrate as their National Day, a.k.a. Canada Day but it isn't called Independence Day, and for a good reason. First, the Canada which was created in 1867 was not the same Canada that we know today. The Act joined together the province of Canada with the colonies of New Brunswick and the colony of Nova Scotia. It didn't include other British colonies that were in North America, such as British Columbia or Newfoundland. Second, it created what was known as a Dominion. A dominion was a newly created term to describe a part of the British Empire which had extensive autonomy to create its own rules. It was something more than just being a colony where all the decisions were determined top-down by colonial administrators. Dominions could have their own elections and mostly determine their own course. Canada was the first dominion, but others soon followed suit in New Zealand, Australia, South Africa, Ireland, and India. Much of this was a recognition that if the British didn't allow for more autonomy, they would probably lose their possessions similar to how the United States left the empire. Although dominion status did fundamentally change Canada, the British Parliament still had ultimate control. They could unilaterally pass any legislation which affected Canada and overturn any law passed by the Canadian Parliament. Canada was also not allowed to have their own embassies or ambassadors, and all foreign policy was transacted through the British. While Canada was given an identity in 1867, they were hardly independent considering that absolutely everything in the country could be overridden and controlled by another country. One condition of independence I spoke about in the United States episode was recognition by other countries. Canada didn't go about receiving international recognition until the 20th century. The Balfour Declaration of 1926, not to be confused with the Balfour Declaration which dealt with the issue of Palestine, stated that all dominions should be equal in status with the United Kingdom. In 1926, Britain assigned its first High Commissioner to Canada, which was their equivalent of an ambassador. Canada finally established its own diplomatic relations with the United States in 1927. This equal status with Britain was codified in the 1931 Statute of Westminster, which basically stopped the ability of the British Parliament to unilaterally make laws for Canada. It replaced it with something known as request and consent. While the British could no longer unilaterally impose their will on Canada, Canada still needed to make a request to the British Parliament to change their constitution. They also still had the monarch of the United Kingdom as their head of state. This was finally resolved in 1982 with the Canada Act. This removed the request and consent clause 
and eliminated any and all ability for the British Parliament to pass laws affecting Canada. The Canada Act was actually an act of the British Parliament, and the last act so passed under the Request and Consent Clause of the 1931 Statute of Westminster. Because Canada requires all laws in the country to be written in both French and English, it also became the only law ever passed by the British Parliament written in French. So with the Canada Act finally passed, and with a ceremony in 1982 in Ottawa overseen by the Queen, Canada finally became 99% independent. Wait, 99%? Why not 100%? Well, it has to do with the whole Queen thing. Canada is not a republic. It's a kingdom. Many Canadians aren't even really aware of this fact. Their monarch is the Queen of Canada, who just so happens to also be the Queen of the United Kingdom. It should be noted that while the Queen of Canada and the Queen of the United Kingdom are the same person, and share the same line of secession, they are not the same positions. The Queen of Canada is a totally separate position and title from the Queen of Australia or the Queen of the UK. The fact that Canada isn't a kingdom doesn't prevent it from being 100% independent. There are many countries which have monarchies that are fully independent. That remaining 1% stems from the fact that Canada's head of state doesn't even live in their own state. For all practical purposes, this isn't a big deal. It isn't as if the Queen is sticking her nose into the business of Canada. Nonetheless, there are many extraordinary sweeping powers that are officially vested in the Queen in Canada's constitution. The day-to-day -day duties of the Canadian monarch are performed by the Governor-General of Canada, which is a mostly honorary position that is filled by notable Canadians. Previous Governors-General have included talk show hosts, and the current one was an astronaut. Nonetheless, the monarchy is the one vestigial thing which still ties Canada to Britain. Most Canadians don't seem to care, however. The Republican movement in Canada is quite small, as is the Monarchist League of Canada. Many of the major political parties in Canada have taken no stance whatsoever on the issue, and those that have really haven't pressed it. So the answer to the question of when Canada became independent covers a span of time over 150 years. You could pick 1867, 1931, 1982, or, depending on your thoughts of the Queen, you might say they have yet to achieve total independence. Executive producer of Everything Everywhere Daily is James Makala. Special thanks to everyone who supports the show over on Patreon. Please remember to leave a review over on Apple Podcasts. Even a simple review can really help the show get discovered in the sea of other podcasts that are out there.